Hello everybody and welcome to The Real Ill Show, where we keep it real for you. Yeah. We like to talk about improvement on the show. We like to talk about education and we like to talk about interest to talk interesting people about anything that has to do with self-improvement or any life experiences. Today's topic is going to be achieving self-mastery and conquering your fears on your way to achieve self-mastery. And boy, do we have the right guy to talk to about this kind of stuff. Joining us on the show today, we've got Cameron Nelson, who's going to talk about himself and what he does. Welcome to the show, Cameron. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure. So tell us about what you do, because I've browsed from your Instagram, and man, you do some crazy shit. Can you can you tell us, like, what what you're about? What kind of stuff do you do? Yeah, of course. So I do this balance practice called slacklining, and I do a variation of the sport called highlining, where instead of walking in between trees at the park on like a two inch or one inch um, piece of webbing made out of either nylon or polyester uh i'll go up high i'll go up high um in between canyons and have a harness and a leash and walk um you know hundreds of meters high uh hundreds of meters long lines and this is the vehicle that i've i've come to find is best for me for accomplishing self-mastery and overcoming fear to be the best human being that i can be so how did you how did you start how did you start doing that and when did you start doing it as a as a way to to reach self mastery and to overcome your fears or did you do anything else before that like how when did you start it and what was your motivation about starting doing that kind of stuff yeah great question so i started almost six years ago now um back when i was 20 so i just turned 26 and I started in this little mountain town that I was going to college at, uh, university in Northern Arizona. It's called NAU. And I just had a doormate that had a two inch ratchet line, um, which is about the size of, it's about the width of like four of your fingers put together. Um, and he would just let me borrow it and set it up for a few hours, uh, multiple times out of the week. And I would just like do my best to stand on it and try to walk it. I fell a lot. Um, and then about six months later, after just having my own personal journey with pushing myself on the line, I met the community of slackliners and they introduced me to the one inch slackline. And then from there they showed me highlining and I had no idea highlining even existed when I was first starting. Um, and then it's just like this really cool sport where you learn foundations in the park in a space that feels super safe. And then from there, like you get to take these foundational skills up um, on the high line, which is also super safe when rigged properly and done redundantly. And when you fall, you just fall into open space. Your leash is anywhere from, um, three to like five feet long about the length of your leg maybe a little bit longer depending on how long you decide to tie it and then you're just suspended underneath the line and it's like this cushy thing that uh catches you when you fall and it's really cool and to answer your question about self-mastery and when i really started to feel like this was my vehicle for self-mastery i would say it was probably like yeah yeah probably like two years into it when I was feeling like I was getting really good and I was around the right people. And then I started to travel and meet um, professionals within this space and then realize like, whoa, I love this so much. I want to take it as far as I can and elevate the sport. Um, and then I would say I probably gravitated towards slacklining due to my background as a kid in powerlifting and wrestling. Um, I really connect with these practices where it's it's simply you and your performance and the way that uh, you show up day in and day out to 
just do the best that you can. And I got that a lot with wrestling. Like, of course we had a team that we would drill with, but then also at the same time, like at the end of the day, when it's like you on the mat outside of practice and you're in performance, it's just you and another man. And then same with thing with powerlifting. It's just like you and the weight. Um, so your performance is completely dictated on the preparation that you put into uh, prior to doing the dance. Dude, I'm so glad you said powerlifting. That's that's my obsession. Um, uh, I love powerlifting. I can totally relate uh, with just being you in the weight. And it, it's, I guess, like, I don't know if, like, slacklining, you can compare they're completely different things, but they're probably some aspects of it. So the reason I like powerlifting a lot is because it's 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 a very objective thing, because you either lift the weight or you don't. And if you don't lift the weight, you know you have to improve. So I guess it's the same, or maybe similar when, when with what you do is it's you either keep your balance or you don't. There's no in between, right? There's no you halfway keep it or you halfway fall. If you fall, you fall. If you stay, you stay, and if you fall, you know you have to get back and train to get better. Um, so yeah, I can I can totally understand the the relationship between a, a sport you're doing and that leading the uh, a path to self mastery. Will do you feel the same in the same way? Because like I'm about powerlifting, but Will's more of a well more of a Will's dedicated to calisthenics do you feel a similar thing when you're training do you feel a relationship i just love how this conversation moved into working out i love it this is like this is a dream come true but on a serious note um it i can totally relate uh, it, honestly it doesn't really matter what's the uh this the sport whether it's power lifting or calisthenics or whatever uh you you have that you have that capability of self mastery in anything you pick up in my opinion as long as you dedicate yourself to it as long as you love it as long as you stay consistent with it you're going to explore different horizons you're going to see so many things about yourself and you're going to find out many things about yourself through that self mastery through that sport or through that craft that you've never even imagined that you ever know about yourself you know, uh, and, and it's so weird because, like, if you talk to a person that has never been really dedicated to something as like a sport or a craft, they they don't they don't know what you're talking about. But even even something like powerlifting, which outside, you know, looking at it, is just lifting weights, right? The more you lift, the better you are. But inside, you know, you know the struggle, you know. How long it took you from this weight to that other weight? How much you dedicated yourself to that? And in that, you find out a lot of things about yourself that transfer to other parts in your life. Uh, when you dedicate yourself to mastering one thing, you know that you know kind of the steps, you know the the way, and you can apply those things to other things in your life. For example, I do like I, I find a lot of similarities in my. Uh, programming job and learning to be a better programmer, a better developer. I applied the same principles to working out and being a better body weight exercises practitioner. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I can see that any craft or sport that you dedicate yourself to could be a way to self-mastery in a way. Could you could you tell me more about the actual sport? Because this is the first time I hear that this is an actual sport. Like probably like most people, I think it's a it's more of a hobby thing, right? Where, for example, let's say powerlifting is. I, I would think that most people know that it's it's an official sport. But can you tell me more about the sport itself? Yeah, sure thing. <clears throat> so, right now. Um, Going back to the example of the two inch lines, uh, there's this variation in the sport called trick lining, where um, this is probably what most people, when they think of slack lining, think of. Um, and these are very, very tight, very bouncy lines that people are doing front flips and back flips and all kinds of tricks on the throwing combos. Um, there's been some like 
there's a lot of competitions within the sport of trick lining. Um, the variation that of the sport that I really like to do is still relatively new. It's called, um, yeah, freestyle highlining. And what you end up doing is you have a one inch line that is also pretty tight, good tension, uh, super stretchy nylon. And then you end up just like throwing uh, bounces and power into the line so that you can throw different tricks at different times and then you can sequence these tricks together and and do combos within them so that variation of the sport is still relatively new and it's this beautiful opportunity to uh be a pioneer within this space and it's kind of like the golden era of of this part of the sport like my friend um about three months ago, he developed 10 new tricks within it. So like, we're really just scratching the surface. Um, an example of a trick though, would be standing away from the line. So envision that, envision like 300 meters or not 300 meters, sorry, 100 meters. And like being in the middle of hundred meters and bouncing on that and facing towards the line and then turning and facing away from the line. So you do a 90 degree turn and then at the top of the bounce, you bring the line up through the center, like the front center of your body and you catch it like you're in a pull up position and then you go down and then having the right technique with uh, your legs. And it's, it's very similar to a kip up just to get yourself back up on the line, but you ride the momentum of the kip up and the line going up and you explode almost like a muscle up, but you really don't have to power it when you have the technique because you have so much momentum due to the line going up. Um, and then you stand back up on the line from that hanging pull-up position, that like explosive pull-up. Um, and it's, it's insane. It's like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. You have to be like such a well-rounded athlete. Um, not just physically, but like definitely mentally. I would say the sport's about 80% mental. And yeah, I, I feel like from the outside looking in, it seems like more of a hobby until you start to do it. And then you realize how fucking difficult it is and how it's totally a sport, even though it's not quite mainstream yet. That's one of my goals in my life is to like help get it mainstream because it has the potentiality to change so many people's lives and be fucking massive. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, it looks crazy impressive from this light. <clears throat> so, one one thing that I wonder is, so, like, when I scroll through your Instagram, I saw that you go on some pretty high up spaces, high up places, and you just do this insane tricks, and you have this, like, crazy flow. It it looks like, it's almost like an art form, when, like, when I look at it for, like, on my phone, like, on the video. Um, and you look like you give no fucks about the hive or the, the situation around you that it, you know like you said it, you're wearing a harness and it's pretty safe and like if you fall it you know but still like just that pit below you and like one thing that i think was uh, it reminded me of was last year when people could still travel um i went to france and i went to this like pretty cool lake and they were like this pretty high up cliffs that you can you know the cliff jumping from and Everyone's done cliff jumping when we were kids, but I've always like, um, like that initial fear you have when you're standing on top of the cliff and you're looking down at the water and you know, you, you can logically explain to yourself that when you jump, nothing's going to happen. Like, you know, you land in the water and you know, you'll be fine. But then there's still that little voice in the back of your head that goes, what if you fall wrong? What if like, I don't know, what if just like a rock you can't see right now? Um, you see other people jumping in front of you and trying to get courage and you like count to 10 like 20 times before you commit to the jump did you like so i'm wondering did you had any like initial experiences when you like when you went high for the first time when you when you had the slack line tied like above a like a, a pit like a very high place how do you or, like do you still get it do you still have those fears and what are your methods to to combat that to, to just be like you know what it's okay. I got this. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
and it's pretty loaded. So I'm going to do my best to remember as I answer. Um, so I would say that I still get nerves and fears. I've just learned how to dance with them a little bit better. And that's due to the fact that I've been like practicing the sport of highlining for almost five years and slacklining for six. And um, as, as I've spent more time with this sport, I've become a lot more comfortable with the height. So it's not as terrifying, both like initially as it used to be when I was starting and when I'm out on the line. Uh, I've, I've spent enough time with the foundations of the sport to just like enter that flow space, uh, the flow state. And you're totally right in your observation that it's an art form because it is like so many people have different styles and you through the practice of, of the sport get to develop your, your own specific style. Uh, that's one of the really beautiful things about it. And that's also like one of the beautiful things about life in any art form that you choose to pick up. You just spending time with it will not only make you better, but it will also allow you to um, develop the foundations within that space and then start to break the rules when you understand the foundations. And that's, that's when it gets really fun. Um, so like when fear comes up, on the line uh there's a few techniques that i have sometimes i'll say a mantra uh the one that i often go to is sat chit ananda um and i believe that one means may i have the uh the possibility to do be and have anything um, in my life in this world, something along those lines. And then I'll also remind myself that I've been in this space before. I don't have to do this. Like no one's forcing me to get on this line. I get to do this. This is an opportunity that like not a lot of human beings will have the opportunity to do so. I would say something like 0.001% of the population has done this before. Um, I think it's probably safe to say that under a hundred thousand people have highlined in the world. So it's a very like niche, unique opportunity that I have and space that I get to like grow and develop within. So I really like to hone in and appreciate the opportunity that I've been presented in this lifetime. And yeah, yeah. I just do my best to respect that. And and the, uh, the places that I normally find myself in on a high line end up being some of the most beautiful places I've ever experienced. And then the community super supportive. Um, and I just know like how good this sport is for my nervous system and being able to calm down. So it's like a training grounds for whenever other aspects of fear come into my life. Um, I think that answered your question. Yeah, I was about to say, do you apply the same principles when you're, when you ha when you get the fear about something in life that's outside of, of what you do? Um, and is your approach, does your do you, is your approach transferable? Can do you transfer the same approach in any other situation in life? Because to me, it sounds, it sounds pretty applicable. Just do you think that you can be grateful that you have the opportunity, that nobody's forcing you, and. Yeah, just hone into the moment so it's just about to ask because like obviously like you said it's a small amount of people that do this and probably like i don't know if many of our listeners uh find themselves in situations when they have to get in a very thin slug above a pit or a very high place but everyone gets afraid about anything in life it could be it could be a, a job interview it could be I don't know, meeting a new person. It could be like changing where you live or changing anything fundamental in your life. And oh, like fear, I think it's natural for fear to come. Um, so I was just wondering, do you think those tips and those approaches that you take are transferable in, in situations like this in life? Yeah, 100%. Like everything that I'm learning in this sport 
is in some way like positively impacting my life and the way that I maneuver around the world. Um, you know, like it gives me a very unique lens in which I get to perceive things and it's helped me understand what the voice of fear sounds like. So instead of just like always going into that emotion and feeling it so deeply, it gives me the opportunity to like breathe and take a step back and like feel the fear without feeding the fear. Um, and then from there I can, I can process and like start to communicate with the characters inside of me and my intuition and figure out what's truth and what is uh, just the fear of speaking. And like fear is such a natural response, right? Like it comes up for so many things and it's a survival technique. Like it's not necessarily needed all the time, uh, especially nowadays. But when you think about back in like tribal societies, like going up to a new person, a new, a new tribe, not knowing whether you're going to be accepted and that potentially being the difference between whether you survive or whether you die. Um, so this fear response is like this very primal response that gives us feedback in the world and ways in which like we're supposed to survive and take care of ourselves. So it's, it's been really useful in that regard and it allows me to you know, check in with so many aspects of my life. Um, yeah, it's like really honed in my intuition and the way that I'm able to like connect with my third eye and, and perceive the world and like feel into the future and uh, my skill in regards to like visualization has definitely leveled up. Um, and it's just, it's so captivating for people to see that have never seen it before i think internally a lot of people want to be tightrope walkers but that's not that accessible whereas like this sport is and a lot of people tell themselves that they have terrible balance and that's just a story they're telling themselves you know like you spend time with anything like you were talking about and you're bound to get better that's it you know and my balance was shit when I first started. And now that I've spent a lot of time within the sport, I definitely have like a high level of balance. And within my lifetime, like it's gonna be elite. That, that makes me wanna ask you something else. And that's, so you said that when you first started, you were, your balance was shit. And it's, it's a very common thing. So I've been talking to like someone at work that recently started working out hey workout reference um and like one of the things they told me was it was really tough for them to keep keep trying to work out because they were so shit at it like like they couldn't run much they couldn't like do much strength stuff so when you first started and your balance was shit like you've been doing this thing for five years now obviously your balance is not shit like it's it's like, like i don't know if i'm watching like uh Un like deleted scenes from the matrix or a guy slack lining but what how did you kept going even though like if you started and like you weren't really good at it what helped you keep going to reach the level you're now like how how what was your approach to be like like yeah my balance is shit but now like you're doing this crazy stuff so what, what was that journey like um so I'm gonna I'm gonna sum it up really quick because I think um, this is a good opportunity to talk a little bit about self mastery in the process. Uh, but I would say that I got so high off of being shitty and then slowly seeing progress that it just I just kept following the process. And then I met the right people and saw that there were other possibilities. And was like, oh, cool. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep getting high off of all this growth because it feels so good and now it's led me here and I'm getting a lot of uh, like downloads and subconscious ideas of ways in which that I can take the sport and create a career that I've never seen done before within it. And yeah, so I, I want to know, are you familiar with the four levels of awareness? I am not. I'm not either. Okay, beautiful. So the four levels of awareness are unconscious incompetence conscious incompetence conscious 
competence and unconscious competence. So unconscious incompetence is when you essentially like don't know what you don't know. So let's say, let's just use working out for an example. Unconscious incompetence is not working out at all and not realizing how terrible not working out makes you feel. Um, and then to go into conscious incompetence, um, this is the realization of like, oh, I've worked out a few times and I'm not very good at it, but I know that like it makes me feel better and you can't go back to being unconsciously incompetent because now you're aware of what you didn't know. And then the next stage is conscious competence where like you're, you're doing the work, you're showing up for it, you are like really pushing hard to make this thing a habit so that would be like your friend that said he sucked at working out, choosing to work out like four days a week and then doing that for six months or so and feeling like he's really getting in the groove. And then he does it for another six months. And now it's become unconsciously competent where he's able to go work out, know what he's doing. He's in the habit, in the flow of that. He feels super off if he doesn't do it. And he just doesn't do that anymore because it feels so good to him. And like, that's what he's used to doing. And then from there, um, one might say that the next level beyond unconscious competence is self mastery because you've spent so much time doing the thing that it's so easy. Like it's just your thing. You don't even have to think about it anymore. You just do it. You're just, are it you be it i can honestly say i feel that that i'm re that i've reached that point without without bragging i'm just i'm just contemplating like whenever i go to work out um i don't even have to like i, I wouldn't even say it's a habit it's just I like doing it so much that I don't even think about, like, I don't have to think about, like, do I want to work out today? It's not like a thing I have to do, you know? It's a thing I choose to do all the time because I like doing it. Just like someone likes playing video games, you know? It's not, working out is no more, for a long time, hasn't been an activity that I have to do. Now, if I switch it up so that I work out at 5 a.m., for example, I got to wake up early and work out, maybe then it would become an activity that I, uh, I don't desire to do. But at this stage, I think I've reached the point where I just love working out. And especially like the more people join, the better. Like, for example, I love working out with my friends, especially when I'm with M uh, or Nikolai or some of my other friends. It's, I'm just having a great time. We're still pushing ourselves hard, but it's just such a joy to do it. And uh, I just keep telling people where, who are still beginners, who are still struggling to get past that um, unconscious in incompetence that or competence that uh, is, is going to get, you're going to get way better and you're going to start loving it. But you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to hold ground for just a little while. They're just gonna get better. What do you think, Em? Am I right? Yeah, definitely. I think you're right because when I when I started working out, I was completely shit. Like I was overweight. My diet consisted of uh, cigarettes and Red Bull with a old Snickers bar for breakfast, and I had McDonald's on the daily and stuff. So when I went for my first run when I got pumped up to work out. Um, I barely made it to a tree. It was not even that far from where I started. And I, I almost started black, almost blacked out. But like I made it my goal for the next day to reach the bench beyond the tree. And that was such a celebration. Like Cameron said, that slowly seeing yourself become less shitty it's, it's it's a really huge drive and that's the exact example i gave to uh my my buddy who said he started working out i told him that any small progress you make brings to just whatever you're doing being it working out learning a new language 
learning how to be uh, how to recreate the matrix on the slug line like Cameron um, anything like you pick up um, is if you focus on the micro process you're making and not focus on how bad you are at the moment it's just a smooth ride I mean it's, it's not smooth because obviously you have to put in a lot of work and like sometimes you go for painful moments but as long as you stick to it you will reach that level when you're it's just become it becomes a thing you do like Ronnie Coleman says ain't nothing to it but to do it you know um, so yeah I think that's like a really powerful way to think about it a really powerful way to think about self-mastery um, Cameron, I have a oh, question. Uh, I have a question for you. So I don't want to make any assumptions. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you sound to me like a pretty spiritual guy because you talk about mantras. Um, so I'm wondering, did did that kind of start? Like, f first, obviously, are you a spiritual guy? And second, did if you are, did that spiritualness was it there before you started slacklining, or did it came after? And how does it contribute to your self mastery? Yeah, I I would consider, I guess, by most people's standards, that I'm pretty spiritual. I um I really do have a deep connection with my own spirit. And looking back in my childhood, I feel like I always have, even if I wasn't aware of it until um later on in into my teens and my early adulthood. I think what opened a lot of those doors for me was psychedelics and doing yoga, reading spiritual texts. I got into Eckhart Tolle pretty young and, and then just doing breath work and connecting myself with people that were also uh, committed to their own self mastery and spiritual path. I definitely feel that highlining has activated deeper aspects of that. And now um, I would say one of the most spiritual things that I do is when I start my day and I end my day, I have an altar just to the left of me um, with a bunch of items that I connect with, uh, quite a few gems. Um, also kind of like a vision board that I've put together and and just other mementos that remind me of how powerful I am, who I choose to be in the world. Um, and, and yeah, I would say if you're looking to like really connect with your own spiritual path, something that you could do is set up an altar for yourself and just like convene with God and convene with the person that you want to be and convene with your past self and just like send that self love. Um, because despite any mistakes that self, that past self made, uh, he or she was just doing the best that they could with the information that they had at that time. And as you come to grow and progress, and especially when like you really commit to growing and progressing and it starts to accelerate, like you just start to peel back layers of, of doubts and fears and insecurities and self-hatred and self-loathing. And you just step into spaces of like self-acceptance and self-honor and self-love. And you're able to like really love older variations of yourself um, with more compassion and empathy because this human experience is not an easy one. It's not like we're really given a manual or always modeled uh, the best way to go about doing it. Uh, by our parents and as as you start to get older sometimes you realize that you have to unlearn things in order to um, reprogram yourself the things that serve you and make you the person that you want to be and that's also a really beautiful part of uh, not only the process of life but also the dance of spirit so yeah I guess to a degree I would consider myself spiritual Very interesting. What is before we started the podcast? We had a little chat about your morning routine, and you mentioned that you do meditation. Um, could you tell us more about the meditation of your choice, and how does your you you said you do it in the morning, right? Can you walk me through 
just a typical morning that you have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to answer the question about meditation, it really depends on how much time I have and what I feel like doing. Um, I've spent a lot of time like with uh, these meditations by this doctor, Joe Dispenza, and he focuses on like creating the future in which you want to by elevating your emotions and getting out of the same stories and the chains of your past. And the meditations that he'll take you through are like 50 minutes to an hour. So if I have that time in the morning, uh, sometimes I'll do one of those or um, for a while, especially during the start of lockdown and probably like six months after, like within that like beginning to six month period, I was doing uh, these meditations by this guy named Sam Harris. He has this app called Waking Up. Um, he does a lot of meta, which is like loving awareness, where you'll envision someone, um, whether it be yourself, a family member, someone that uh, you've had some sort of difficulty with, and you'll just send them love and compassion. And then it elevates your mood towards you just being more loving and grateful and compassionate throughout your day. I've also spent some time uh, doing these prime light meditations where for like five minutes, you'll just relax and um, just like be in your body, uh, bring your awareness to your breath. And then the next five minutes, you'll have faces or memories of, of people or events that make you feel good and create a space of gratitude. And then you'll just send your appreciation, your gratitude for that. And then five minutes of like envisioning your future and what you want to create and feeling into that and how good it makes you feel. Um, because that's the thing about the, the brain and the subconscious mind, like it can't tell a distinction between what you're experiencing in real life and what you're experiencing in your mind. So if you can put yourself in that space within your mind and elevate your emotion and like really feel that and be within it, then your brain is going to create that future for you. Like it may take a little while, but anything that you put out into the quantum, you have the opportunity to like create for yourself and then the action and the showing up in your life um, really puts whatever you put into the quantum into effect. And, and sometimes like there's other variations of breath work that you can do. Like there's breath of fire. Um, there is Nadi Shodan, which is like alternate nostril breathing. There is also like square breathing where, for example, like, if you do a square breath, it would be a four second inhale, hold that breath for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, and then hold that for four seconds and do like quite a few rounds of that. And that really helps you feel centered. Um, so now to answer your question about the morning routine, I think the morning routine is the most, one of the most important things you can do for your day, especially when you start the day. So I'll start my day uh, kind of the night before, um, I will go through prayer, uh, reflection of the day that I just had. Um, I'll do a little bit of visualization, some reading and a little bit of journaling. And then also I have this whiteboard, this really big whiteboard. And I'll just like write down everything that I'm doing that next day. And then before I go to bed, I'll have the meditation on my phone that I want to do to start the day. And then I'll put my phone on airplane mode so that, I don't see any of the notifications that I've gotten over the night before. And then my, my brain and the way that I go about my day uh, is not started or triggered through uh, these dopamine responses and being more reactive. That's what like social media and text messages and just like all this technology that we have access to, it kind of like makes us reactive. But if you can be proactive, in the morning to start your day. That's the biggest difference. And I've noticed that my, my morning routine is um, deeply impacted by my night routine the night before. So I definitely see like the night before is the beginning of my next day. Like if I crush the night before, I'm crushing the next day without a doubt. So I'll wake up, do my meditation anywhere from like 25 minutes to an hour long. And 
then I'll go and I will read a little bit. I'll journal a little bit. I'll go to my altar um, and I'll get some movement in. And then like those five things, like I have tuned myself to the person I want to be. I'm really clear on it and I'm ready to start the day. And if I can get that done, like at five, six in the morning, that takes two hours. Um, come like seven, eight o'clock, I already feel like I've won the day. And then everything else that I get to do beyond that is just a, uh, yeah, it's just a blessing. I really, I really can resonate with how your day begins and how your day goes. It's really impacted by how you ended the night before. And it's just because I am a big percentage of the time, I'm pretty horrible at how I go to bed and how much sleep I get. I'm and, the same. And I really felt the impact of it last week. So last week was pretty stressful for me. And I, I went to bed really late. I just went on my phone a little before bed. I didn't get much sleep. And like we were supposed to record this podcast earlier this week, but I was I got so sick that I couldn't even speak. I could only whisper. I mean, my voice is still not 100% right now but I feel much better. Um, and I just I just realized how important um, being calm and, and having enough sleep is uh, because I literally felt the impact on my health. I got sick and um, I just like, I'm, I'm not a health expert or anything, but I my theory is that I just stressed out so much and slept so little. And the way I finished my days and the way I started my days just really had an impact on my on my immune system on my health and it just got really weak so one thing i'm forcing myself to do um oh not forcing myself but i'm really trying to remember to do is just set like a, a cool down time cool down hour before i go to bed like shut off my computer shut off my phone and then i i, I like i have a a tea like i have like a bunch of like teas that promote good sleep I have a tea and i read the book in bed until i get sleepy um and then i don't look at my phone it's like i don't uh, i use the do not disturb function it's pretty much the same as airplane mode it just suppresses everything it doesn't bubble up any notifications or anything like that and then in the morning when i wake up my usual method of life of getting out of bed is when i'm when i'm when i'm still tired is i just take my phone out and i just mindlessly scroll not necessarily consuming like not necessarily like impacting or engaging with anything it's just mindless consuming until my brain's like okay i'm awake it's time to go so if i swap that out in the morning uh and i get out of bed and meditate instead it makes a mind-blowing difference to my day like unbelievably mind-blowing like it's just i was like shocked for the first couple of days when i tried it out when i did the night routine and then the morning routine not as like detailed or anything like we talked it like in the past when we were younger we tried pre pre-made morning routines from blogs about productivity on the internet uh but just having my individual thing um and it's just made me feel so much better. Like I feel so much more calm. I feel I feel so much more focused in my day. Uh, I can feel it in my work uh, because like me and Will are software engineers, and you we need to have. Like I always say that the most important quality for a software engineer is being able to focus for a long period of time. Um, and I feel like a really big impact on that. Obviously, I feel impact on working out even my interaction with other people i don't get annoyed as easily i just feel like i appreciate talking to people so much more i feel like i can have more meaningful conversations so yeah i think it's really important to to be able to figure out uh, a cool down routine and a start of the rate routine and uh, what i think is even more important is to figure out what's the thing that works for you best because like like we were talking about before, when we tried those pre-made, pre-written routines that like, okay, meditate for 20 minutes, then drink water with a lemon in it, then write down your goals for the day. That could work for a lot of people, that, but it may not work for me or for you. So I think it's like very important to find out your individual thing and what makes you tick. That is so true, man. I, I can totally relate to that. 
individual part because uh, you both know because we both did did those things that we tried to follow back in back in those days those medium articles that go like it it kind of goes like your routine camp but it uh, so it basically was like get up at 5 a.m. Uh, meditate for 20 minutes write down your goals get a workout in and then smash the day and honestly i could totally remember uh for the first uh maybe a week or so maybe the two weeks uh you you really feel like your day is amazing when you when you wake up that early and you feel accomplished and you feel like uh you're ahead in front of everybody in a way if you want to compare yourself to others not that i necessarily encourage that but it just makes you feel more more accomplished but it has to be your thing just like Cam said like for example my thing i i i wouldn't say that um uh, this is particularly my strongest point uh and i want to follow on that with you cam about tips and tricks how to wake up early and as you mentioned it has to do with your night routine but my thing is having a cup of tea and reading that's the thing that worked for me as a night routine as a morning routine not so much because i tried the meditation thing but uh the meditations that i focus are on usually related with breath breath techniques and at 5 a.m i could just literally fall asleep during the meditation and that's obviously not good uh so i switched it up doing the workout first and then trying to meditate, but then after the workout, my heart rate is up, my energy levels are up, and I could not focus on my breath. I could not get into that flow and meditative state. So I'm still trying to figure out my morning routine, but when it comes to my uh, evening routine, uh, I think, uh, as Em said, you have to find your own thing. For me, um, sipping tea and just reading books helps, and that's my thing. So, Cam, what what's your night routine that prepares you for that early rise? And um, how would you help a person like me, for example, who goes to sleep late? I usually go to sleep at like 2 a.m. Uh, honestly, I'm not, not most, most nights I'm not studying or I'm not doing anything productive till 2 a.m. So... What would you say to a person like that who wants to quit that bad habit and become an early riser? Yeah, so I'm just going to quickly go over my night routine because I said it before, um, but it's like reflection at the end of the day um, to this thing called bullet journaling where I just have a bunch of topics that I want to uh, hit throughout the day. I check in with whether I did that um, some of it is like my screen time, how much time I'm spending on my phone that day, how much sleep I got the night before, uh, whether I created music, worked out, uh, how much stretching or durability that I did, what was the amount of time that I meditated, um, what was something that I struggled with, what am I grateful for, who did I connect with, just to reflect back on the day. And then later on, I have like all this compiled data that I can really see like okay so this type of day made me feel this kind of way this type of day made me feel this kind of way what do i want to continue to cultivate and what do i want to let want to let go um so i'll do that i'll do a little, some light reading i'll go to my altar i will do a little bit of visualization and then maybe some like foam rolling or light stretching just to go from whatever sympathetic state that i may have been in uh, prior to that and get myself into a parasympathetic state. So I'm ready to just rest and digest everything that the day is offered and uh, go to sleep. And then I would, I would say to someone that is going to bed at 2 a.m. Um, and then waking up really late, like what is important to you? Like, is it more important to you in the longevity of your life for you to like spend a bunch of your time just up at night, not really being that productive and maybe like um, messing with your performance the next day or is your performance in the way that you show up for your life and the, the present that you have more important. And then if you choose to like reprioritize some of those things, then some of the, uh, 
the the tips um, or the tactics, yeah, the tactics, so to speak, on waking up earlier and crushing the day is to just like focus on the basics. Um, the basics being get some sunshine because that will help reset your circadian rhythm and your body will start to adapt and rise with the sun and feel a lot more tired with the sun. That's the thing about like all this technology that we have is that the blue light stimulates or simulates a bunch of mini suns. So if like you're in front of a TV or a computer, um, your body is not going to feel like it's ready to go to bed because there's still like this artificial sun that's like shining right in front of it. Whereas like when we didn't have this technology, um, and we didn't have these blue lights we would just be so adjusted to the rising and the falling of the sun that it would really be really easy to fall asleep um and then i would also say hydration so like one thing and i do think this is really important that most people do is fucking turn your phone on airplane mode to start off your day and not start off with a bunch of notifications because even though you feel like you're just doing some mindless unproductive scrolling like it is for sure impacting the way that your brain is for the rest of the day and if you just run the experiment you know like go a week with having your phone on airplane mode for the first hour even if you don't end up meditating or working out but just try that you know start the day off on your terms like no tv no tech time for the first hour um run the experiment and i have a feeling it's going to bring a lot of a lot of benefit into your life and then to go back to hydration i think we end up losing like quite a bit of water when we sleep so when we wake up we're already dehydrated so if you refill your um system with water then like you're gonna feel so much more energized so much more replenished i think it can be like just something like one to two percent um of a decrease in water can make you feel depressed um and emotional and it can just like bring you overall mood and energy down so it's pretty crazy like a lot of the things that people experience could be different if they just drank the, some water to start the day or if they were just more hydrated throughout the day. Um, and I would say really like all of life, um, maybe not all of life, but a big aspect of life is like being a scientist, right? So you get to run all these experiments and see what works and what doesn't. And as you're like on this path, you get to tweak things along the way, which allow you to either like really be on your path or accelerate the progress that you have on your path so you get to be the scientist of life and run experiments and see what works for you and what doesn't and i think the morning routine especially right now um and this year well well we've had these opportunities of lockdown and quarantine and a lot of the days feeling the same you get to like really structure out this routine if you take the opportunity to do so and see how it impacts your life and i would say like that's something that i've really honed in this year um because it, it was so easy for me for the longest time to just wake up and look at my phone and then just that's how i end up going about the rest of my day and you end up being a lot more reactionary um like you were saying uh you're a little bit more irritable you've noticed when you end up like not meditating or taking care of yourself to start the day around people that you're with and yeah, I think it's really important because not a lot of people out there are going to shine light and make people feel better around their presence. So if you can be one of those leaders and those people that are so solid within themselves that it uplifts someone, then I think that's worth it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I would say for me, what's really helped me waking up earlier is just getting really clear on my purpose and like what I want to do with my life and understanding that any day I could die and appreciating both that and the way I get to live. That, that's really profound. I'm definitely going to take you on those tactics. I'll definitely try to get more water. And I'll definitely try to turn off the... Uh, I don't necessarily go into social media when I wake up. My, my, my uh, choice of drug is uh, work chats. I go into my work chats and um, I convince myself that the blue light helps me 
uh, get up early in the morning. And that's why the first thing I do is look at my screen. And it's it's bullshit, I know. But, I mean, it might help. I don't know. But uh, it's definitely not. Like, if, if I actually really start thinking about it, that's not how I want my morning to start. But these days, it usually does that way. So I got that going for me. But I, I would just uh, say that the best form of blue light is the sun, you know, so if you really feel like the blue light impacts you, it makes you feel best for your day. Just go out and check out the sun, you know? Yeah, no, no, totally. You're totally right. You're totally right. I, um, have, a, I have a tip about water because I, I agree mm-hmm. so much with how important drinking water is. and steam I never knew about that. It's crazy how much of a difference it makes to everything. But my number one tip for drinking more water is buy a huge ass water bottle. I have one that holds three liters of water and I drink two of them a day. And I don't even have to force myself because I love drinking water. It's my favorite non-alcoholic drink. Probably like, well, it doesn't mean I prefer alcohol more than water, but you, you know what I mean. Um, I love water a lot. Um, and the way I get myself to drink more water is I have a giant ass bottle that I just fill up in the morning um, and I just drink two of them in a day with zero efforts because it's just right next to my desk. I, I sip on it when I work. I sip on it whatever I do, like when I go and work. I don't take it when I work out. I take a smaller bowl when I work out. But I say like, I'm very proud. <laughs> I'm flexing. I'm very proud about my water consumption and buying a huge ass bottle really made wonders for me. So, Get a huge bottle, keep it around you at all times. That's it. It's make it's gonna make you drink more of it, right? It, it, it helps you drink more of it. It helps you so much. Yeah. Like, it helped me a lot. Um, and I know some other people that also got like these big ass bottles that help them drink a lot water too. Uh, and also right. like you know the pee test. If you pee, if it's clear, you're hydrated. If it's not, obviously, you drink yeah. more. Yeah. Not many people know that. So again, on that five a.m. wake up cam. Uh, like, why am I not convinced? Uh, do you feel energized when you wake up? Like, all of your days, you feel energized? Because if you make me, even if I go to bed at 10 a.m., uh, at ten p.m., if I try to wake up at 5 a.m., I'll be so trashed, man. So, um, do, do you feel energized every time you wake up? So I'm still working on the 5 a.m. wake up, but I mean, like, dude, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., it's 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 an experiment. You get to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. This morning when I woke up at 5 a.m., I was, I was pretty stoked. I was energized. I knew the day that I had ahead of me. I had my meditation already set up on my phone. I had, um, like, 32 ounces of water just right there next to my phone. So when I hit my alarm, I drank my water and instantaneously man like you feel it's so hard to go to sleep after that you know and and the reason i do my morning routine is so that i'm in like a a high um energetic state so that i feel like i'm ready to perform at my best throughout the rest of the day and that's what i do it for you know so like if i wake up not feeling the most energized i know through the practices um that i will end up feeling way more energized and that's what i do it for I see. It's really cool. I, w- right. I want to ask you also, uh, are we hitting the 50-minute mark, Em? We've, we've passed it, but go on, go on. Yeah, final question, Em. Uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, no worries. We're, to... we're not on a strict timeline or anything. It's just, uh, no worries. All uh, right. I, w- I want to get back to the highlighting thing. How would, how would you suggest someone begins or goes into that sport? I guess you would start with the slack lining on the trees in the park. How do you move up into that highlighting thing? No, actually, let, let, let's keep how do you move into the highlighting. How do you start with the whole sport? Where, where, where do you think one should begin uh, learning from and how should one approach this? Yeah, cool. Great question. I'm glad you asked. So... I would say there's probably a few avenues that you could go about doing it. I think the first uh, start is to just get a slack line and have a spot where you can set it up, whether it be your backyard or your front yard or a park that you go to. Um, And then I would check uh, Facebook 
and see if there's any groups that have been established within your city that have slackline communities already and then i would try to get involved with those groups as quickly as possible and that will create accelerated growth because you will see both what's possible um through what other people are doing so your brain and your subconscious and your nervous system will start to like put pieces together before you're even doing it and then you can also get uh like pointers and help from those that have already walked the path a little bit longer and help you accelerate. Uh, that's the thing that I feel like would have helped me out the most um, is to be around people like right from the get-go that were really good. And I'm also really grateful for the way that my process has ended up being because even though I'm only in the sport for six years, I plan on being it for like at least the next 60. The oldest tightrope walker was 88 years old. And the sport of slacklining and highlining, I think, has a less impact on the body. Um, the lines are a bit more dynamic and forgiving. And I figure, like, once your body already knows how to do it, it's like riding a bike, right? So it's not as impactful um, as if I was just, like, trying to learn it at 60. And not to say that that's not possible. I have a client, actually who is 62. She's a retired English teacher and she started slacklining like two or three years ago. And now she's highlining and she uh, wants to send a line out in Yosemite and she's going to write a book about the process and everything. So I don't believe that there is an age that's like really too old to learn this as long as you're taking care of yourself. That's awesome. I'm I'm definitely gonna try it out. I'm wondering if I'm well. I'm obviously not gonna have the same fear on the slack line as you have when you're up there in in those canyons. Uh, but I'll definitely want to try out the balance because I'm mostly interested in the mental aspect of uh, the sport, and uh, because as a sport practitioner myself, I I find out that. Uh, after a while, I got way more interested, not in uh, putting more reps and more sets and more skills uh, in my workout portfolio, so to speak. It's more about the mental state that I have to get into in order to execute the workout or the movement or whatever. So I'm really curious about these this mental balance state that I'm going to be put myself in. Once I'm on the slack line, after I'm past the initial uh, struggles and I start to get the hang of it, and especially that flow state where you're uh, concentrated but relaxed at the same time, so it's that middle balance ground. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, it, it's so funny because I, I I've never heard about slacklining at all. I don't think it's a popular thing in my country, but I'm definitely going to try it out and see if I have uh, a community around me. I, I definitely do. It's just that I've discovered it just right now. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's really great. We're, we're, past the, we're past the 15 minute mark. We're over an hour now, but I think like we could probably even go for like even longer than that. It's, it's been it's been really amazing talking to you, Cameron. Um, I think we just covered so many things about fear and, and even fear and self mastery and spirituality and even like tips on how to improve your day by waking up better or going to sleep better. It's been it's been very insightful and very useful for me. It's been such an interesting experience to talk to someone who does the thing you do and to go behind the scenes about how you do it and why you do it. Um, I hope I hope our podcast brings more awareness and more people start highlighting. I'm I'm down to buy a slack line and tie it between two trees and, and start training because it looks insane. And I feel if if I can conquer my fear to highline, I could probably like increase my confidence in other, other aspects of my life a lot more. But yeah, since we've we're hitting the mark, um, let's let's end it. Let's end the podcast. Um, Thanks, thanks for everyone that that listened. I hope you find this insightful. We'll put all the links to Cam's socials, um, his Instagram, and everything that he does in the podcast. Um, 
and yeah follow cam um look at the stuff that he does it is mind-blowing to look at it's it like like i said it's, it's incredible it's like it, watching, it really is yeah it's like watching art it's it's crazy like you you know you people pay to watch this stuff uh in Cirque du Soleil but it's it's probably much crazier to do it i mean it, it's not probably but it's, it's way crazier, crazier. To, way crazier to do it outside um and yeah thanks you thank you everyone for listening thanks cameron for for coming to talk to us it was great having you here Thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to uh, drop in to this podcast and to share some insight. Um, and yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to drop in with me.